Philippians chapter 4 this morning. In Philippians 4, 1, we heard Paul say, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. What does it look like to stand firm in the Lord? What does it take to remain faithful to God and growing in your faith? In the Lord. We saw in verses 2 and 3 where we were were shown two individuals in the church who were at odds with each other. We learned there that standing firm in the Lord looks like learning to live in harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ. In verse 4, last Lord's Day, we saw that standing firm in the Lord looks like Rejoicing in the Lord always. We were learning there that no matter what challenge or hardship we face, as believers in Jesus Christ, you can always rejoice in the Lord. This morning we arrive at verse 5. And I want you to see this morning that standing firm in the Lord will also look like Being at peace in the midst of adversity. Being at peace in the midst of adversity. Let's look at verse 5 together as I read from the English Standard Version. You look at your copy of God's Word. Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Last week when we looked at verse 4, I said that was a very familiar verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. We know that. We, we've heard that. We've said it. We've, we've probably had people go, hey, hey, rejoice in the Lord when we're complaining. <laughs> verse 5 isn't as well known. Let your reasonableness... Be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. I think it's just as important as verse 4. What we have here in verse 5 is Paul telling believers in Jesus Christ how they are to carry themselves when things are difficult. How they are to be leaning on the Lord rejoicing in the Lord always and being reasonable. Let your reasonableness be known to all men. He's talking here about how we ought to be equipped with enough faith in God, with confidence in God's power and His providence, that God is sovereign, He's in control, that even in the middle of the hardest times, we're able to show people that we're at peace because our eyes are fixed on God and His promises and on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You might think, how how can I possibly be at peace in adversity? How can you be reasonable in adversity? How could the two women mentioned in verse 2 come to have peace in adversity instead of being at odds with each other? Think about your own life. When you believe 
there's been an injustice done to you or to someone you care about, how are you supposed to respond? I'm not asking how you respond or how you would like to respond. I think about sometimes how I would like to respond. How are you supposed to respond? Verse 5 gives us an answer. It's natural for us, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you, that you don't at first have these natural desires to bring an offender or see an offender brought to justice. It's our desire often. It's our first inclination. Boy, I, I, see, I see that wrong. I want them to get what's coming to them. <laughs> We're tempted to think. And yet, God wants to equip us with His Word and by His Spirit to lean on Him, to lean on His promises, to trust in Him, to overcome those first inclinations that, are, that oppose what God wants us to be, to help us be the people God wants us to be when we're found in adverse and difficult and trying and even circumstances that, are, that, are, that would be qualified as persecution for your faith. How are you to respond? What we see in verse 5 is not, is not the natural response of, of the person who, who's being led by the flesh. And we need to be people, if you're God's child, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to make sure you're being led by the Spirit. And so the Spirit will help you overcome the flesh. Living by the flesh, we don't see that in verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What the Bible is challenging us with this morning is learning to grow in your faith in God to the point where you can look at people who take advantage of you or mistreat you or misrepresent you or pull out in front of you in traffic my wife hates it when I use the horn on the car. It's like, why is there a horn if I'm not allowed to use it? And that person just pulled out in front of me. They should know. You know. I hope that's not you someday. I think that's what she's afraid of. You'll honk at somebody from church. She doesn't say that. I just think, you know, it's like, if you don't need this message, I do. But I think you need it. You need this passage. I need this passage. God put it in His Word, and He is challenging us today. You might be facing mistreatment, misrepresentation, persecution for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How does God call on you to respond? How are you to treat others with love? And how are you to show them mercy and grace like God has shown you through Jesus Christ? How do you do that? That will require peace in adversity. What we learned last week sets in motion what we see this week. What we learned last week really sets us on the path for verse 5. What we learned then that we should be devoted to when we're thinking about living in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are 
we're being set in motion here in verse 5 and kind of shown a practical truth here. So as we explore these thoughts, let's note first this, the truth that learning to be at peace in adversity is a necessity for believers in Jesus Christ. I say it's a necessity for believers in Jesus Christ because this is in God's word. God's word says, let your reasonableness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so that tells me God wants us to be reasonable. He wants us to be at peace. This is unnatural. This is not the way the world works. It's not the way the world acts and lives. But this is the way that believers, believers in Jesus Christ are to live. And so this is something God wants us to have as a part of our spiritual arsenal. Our spiritual disciplines like prayer, like reading the word, like submitting to the word. God wants us to be reasonable. He wants us to be at peace because we're focused on him and his promises and the fact that he's in control. So what is this reasonableness of verse 5? One commentator pointed out as I was reading this week that, that, that the original language, in the original languages of the Bible, in the original language in this passage, this word that's translated for us in the English Standard Version, reasonableness, really has no direct equivalent in the English language. So it's a challenge to kind of translate it and pick the right word, but it also points to a lot of ideas the New American Standard Bible translates this with two words, gentle spirit. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The idea here could really be expressed in many different ways. So let me just give you some ideas. Let your, letting your reasonableness be known to everyone encompasses the idea of approaching adversity, approaching difficulty, or when you find yourself in the midst of it, and here I am in the midst of hardship and difficulty, having mental calmness. That's not easy. I get that. I experience the, the hardship of that. That's hard to be mentally calm when you're in the midst of adversity. Having composure in adversity being even-tempered, not being easily annoyed or stirred up by adversity, or practicing self-control in adversity. All those thoughts, all those ideas can go along with this idea by, uh, by this verse here in chapter 5 when it says, let your, reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Another way to say this is the, is the way I'm using it this morning, and it's being at peace in adversity. Being at peace. And this is not a self-made, man-made peace. This is not a peace you can go to Walmart and buy. <laughs> this is not a, a peace you can find a recipe for and whip up in your kitchen. This is, this is God working in you as you surrender daily your life to the Lord and his promises to sustain you and help you and that he is working all things for your good and for his good purposes. This is not being easily agitated when facing difficulty. That ought to be us. In the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, this is out of this world kind of living. To be at peace in adversity is unnatural. 
But it's what God has called us to. And note that Paul says here that this is to be known. This is to be known. So when, as a believer in Jesus, you face hardship and difficulty, even mistreatment, even persecution for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what are people to see from you when you're in adversity? They're to see you being at peace because you're trusting in the God of the universe, the one who created it all and sustains it all, and who sent his son to die for your sins so that you could be forgiven your sins and given the gift of eternal life and an eternal dwelling place with the Lord. Now, we're to be letting our reasonableness be known. And this does not mean that you parade your reasonableness. Look and see how I'm at peace in the midst of this. Go ahead, throw it at me. I'm at peace. I can take it. That's not what this is talking about. If you're learning to grow in your faith in God and in the promises of God's word, if you're learning to rejoice in the Lord always, in God's sovereignty always, the fact that he is in control and working for his glory and your good always, then your reasonableness will be known. The fact that you are at peace in adversity will be known. It will be obvious. It will be apparent People will see that you are at peace in adversity. When you have peace in adversity, this is how people will know that Jesus is doing a real work in your life. They may not know how to describe it or define it. They might not say it that way, but they'll notice there's something different about you when troubles come than what the average co-worker or neighbor or business partner does. That's letting your reasonableness be known. It's trusting in God, fixing your eyes on God's promises, rooting your life in the word of God, the promises of God, and praying to God and asking for his will to be done in your life. And then when he does his will in your life, you accept it and you say, thank you for doing your will. Even though this may not be what I asked for, I thank you that you are in control. That prepares you well. To be at peace in adversity. This is easier said than done, though, isn't it? This takes time to grow in this spiritual discipline. Thankfully, God is patient. Can you attest to that truth, that God is patient? Has he been patient with you? God's been patient with me. I'm so thankful for that. It's why I can, uh, it's hard for me to sing a song like we just sang, when we sing that, How Great Thou Art, to think about the goodness and grace and mercy and patience of God without being moved by that powerful truth to have peace in adversity to let your reasonableness be known to everyone you must keep your faith fixed on the promises of God it's one of the reasons I keep saying you need to read your Bible see God's word is accessible you can all read it there's a way for you all to get it into your life even if you're not a reader you can hear the word of God read to you but using an audio Bible I love the fact that we have that available to us but the Bible is accessible you can understand it you can see how it applies to your life if you will get it in God will help you fix your life on the promises of God and help you learn to be at peace in adversity and let your reasonableness be known to all men Side note, 
uh, part one of the little series. I started last Sunday night, Seven Reasons Why You Need to Read the Bible. It's on the church website. Go listen to it and uh, this afternoon. Go listen to it. Come tonight for part two. How's that? If you were here last Sunday night, part two tonight. This is so important that we be Bible readers You need all of God's Word instructing you. You need all of His promises encouraging you. You need all that God has given you in His Word end to end to build you up, to grow you, to encourage you, to help you be at peace when no one else around you is at peace. Secondly, I want you to note this truth. We think about who should know. Who should know of your reasonableness? Who should see your peace in adversity? What we see here in verse 5 emphasizes that you are to fully trust God in all things. So in all of life, in all kinds of situations, in the workplace, in your home life, interacting with your neighbors, interacting with your coworkers, uh, people that you do business with, your children, your parents, What we see in verse 5 emphasizes that you're to trust God in all areas of your life. And Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That covers every area of your life. Let the fact be obvious that you are at peace in adversity. Be known to everyone around you with the way that you respond to adversity, with your faith fixed on God and His Word. The Word in the middle of verse 5, it says everyone. We can't escape that. It says everyone. This is also not an isolated teaching in the Bible. Go with me for a moment to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. If you are growing in this spiritual discipline, then everyone will see your peace in adversity. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Luke 6, 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. That, that brothers and sisters in Christ, is being at peace in adversity. And so Jesus says here in the Gospel of Luke, so what if you treat those who treat you well, if you treat them well, who treat you well, so what? Everybody does that. Anybody can do that, but you are to treat well those who mistreat you. And you can only do that if you are at peace in adversity. That's meaningful. And that's challenging. It's not easy. You're a follower of Christ. 
and you are to conform to the image of Christ as Christ dealt with adversity, that's the way we're to grow in our Christ-likeness. And that means we're to love those who treat us like their enemies. Instead of returning evil for evil, you're to do good to them. You're to pray for them. Instead of lashing out with unkind words when wrong, you're to learn to be at peace in adversity. You have to be trusting God to do that. You cannot do that in your own strength. But thank God we have the Word and we have the Holy Spirit to help us do that, to help us grow in that wonderful spiritual discipline. This is one way you bring glory to God. This is one way, among many ways, you can witness of the truth of the gospel. This is such a vital part of your testimony for Christ. If you aren't at peace in adversity, if you instead lash out in anger, or if you're at fear when there's difficulty, that tells the watching world that you have a problem trusting God. They'll see it. They'll know it. It'll be the opposite of being at peace in adversity. It'll be at the opposite of letting your reasonableness be known to all men. Do you say that you're a Christian? If you are, then you are Christ's. He keeps you. He paid the price for your sins. He will keep you. He knows and cares about the wrongs you face. And you might think, well, how do I, how do I get what you're talking about? How do I get this? Remember, well, I want you to go back a couple of chapters. You can go back to Philippians. Go back to Philippians. Go back a couple of chapters to chapter 2. Remember the truth of Philippians 2.13. Again, this is not you creating something in yourself by just being disciplined. I know a lot of you are very self-disciplined, but this is not what the Bible is talking about when it says, let your reasonableness be known. Back at Philippians 2 and verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you must rely on God. You must go to his promises. You must preach to yourself the good news of the gospel that I'm saved by Christ. I'm, my sins are paid for. My, my debt has is, is been wiped away. I have new life in Christ. I'm being kept by Christ. He knows about my needs and he's here to help me by his indwelling presence and by his word. And God, it is God who's working in me both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so if I'm facing this hardship, I know he's going to use this in me. If I'll respond right, he'll use this in me to honor and glorify him and to make me the person he wants me to be. If you've repented of sin and trusted in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you so that you can live for him. He lives in you. And you can live for him with his help. And it's his help you need. And praise God you have it. Now this third truth to note. And it's timely as, we, as we're thinking about this. God is in control. God is in control. I don't think I could remind you that too often. He is working for his good pleasure. We just heard it in Philippians 2.13. We're reminded of this by our passage. Go back to Philippians 4. Here's how it's possible for you to have peace in adversity. Look at verse 5 again. 
when it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Look at the rest of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Don't forget that. The Lord is at hand. Paul could have meant, now he could have meant a couple of things here. Paul could have meant here that the return of the Lord is imminent. And of course, we know the Bible teaches that truth. The, the return of the Lord is imminent. Or he could have meant the Lord is always near, always working, always helping. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's in you. We have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit working in us. The Lord is near. Both of those things are taught by the Scriptures. Both of those things are true. And it's not clear which he meant here. I would suggest that it's possible he meant both. Because both truths are taught in Philippians. So let's think about this from both perspectives. Sometimes when the Bible reminds us that the Lord is at hand, it's pointing to the fact of his soon return. Now you might think when I say soon return or, or when I say the Lord is at hand and you think of the imminent return of Christ, when we talk about that, you might think, well, wait, uh, the Bible has been around for a really long time and the Bible has always said the, the return of the Lord is imminent. How can that be since the Bible was written such a long time ago and he hasn't returned yet? I want you to stop thinking about the length of time between when the Bible was given to us and today and think about the brevity of your life. Think about how short your life is in the matter of the length of all time. It's minuscule. The length of your life is very short. In, in, the, in the idea of the length of your life, think about this. The Lord's return is imminent. <laughs> and he could come for his church and rapture his church at any moment. Are you living, preparing yourself for the return of the Lord if he raptures his church or, or calls you home? You die and you go to be with him. Your life is short. His return is imminent. Are you, are you living like you're ready? Like you're waiting anxiously for his return? And when the Bible instructs and encourages you with the truths like this, it does so, so that you will learn to live with peace in adversity because your eyes are fixed on the king your eyes are fixed on the creator of the universe your eyes are fixed on god on the lord jesus christ fixed on his promises and his word and you can't wait for him to call you home and yet in the meantime we face adversity and hardship and god wants to be with us here and now and help us here and now and give us peace in adversity because we're we're trusting and resting in Him. When you learn to trust God, your reasonableness will be known to everyone around you, especially in the face of hard things that you deal with in this life. It's especially then that your peace in adversity will be known. The second perspective is also true. It's what we hear in Psalm 145 and verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Sometimes when we think 
of the Lord being at hand, we're reminded that He is near, and He is. We hear this in 1 John 4.4 when it speaks of false teachers. Uh, It is speaking of false teachers, and this truth applies just as well to the fact that you have God's help in difficulty as a believer in Jesus in adversity. 1 John 4.4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, speaking of false teachers. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's a, a powerful truth and covers a lot of spiritual ground. It's applied to this fact that that you can be well equipped for false teachers and false teaching, but it's also a truth that applies well to this powerful spiritual discipline and witness that we can have if we learn to have peace in adversity, and it's knowing that the Lord is near to help us. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you are not left alone to face difficulty in your own strength. So the Lord is at hand. He is always near to give you strength, always there to help you, always there to encourage you, give you peace when you need it. But you need God's word dwelling in you richly. He wants to bring those truths from his word back to your mind and your heart and to encourage you in the moment with those truths. Your God can supply all of your needs, including the need for peace in adversity. And we're going to hear this truth when we get to verse 19 in Philippians 4. But let's just skip ahead for a moment in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that's not just talking about physical needs being met. That includes spiritual needs. It's especially about, about spiritual needs. I want you to note also that he is near. And he's near to remind you that you need him when you think you don't need him. When we think we don't need God's help, we tend to do our own thing. And we tend to mistreat others when we begin doing our own thing. So when you don't have peace in adversity, as God wants you to have, the Lord is near to correct and convict you of sin so that you will confess your sin and return to fellowship with God and return to relying on Him and His ways. Obeying Him, being being ready to take His help. Because the, the Lord wants you to grow in peace and be ready for hardship and challenges and to respond in a way that honors and glorifies Him. And this is for your joy. When God helps you and gives you peace and adversity, that's for your joy. And now here's a fourth truth we need. We need to consider our role and God's role in bringing justice. Because I don't think we can escape this. When we're thinking about being mistreated or misrepresented or persecuted, we often want justice. We see a need for justice. And yet, you have a role in justice, and there is a role for God in bringing justice, and it is not your role to vindicate your cause. God will vindicate your cause. Trust Him with that. God will make things right. Trust Him with that wonderful truth. It may not be on your timetable. You need to be ready to be settled with God's timetable. 
but it will be in God's perfect timing and to best fit his good purposes. God will see to justice. You can rest at night because God is about bringing justice. And God does justice much better than we do. Remember what the Bible teaches in Romans 12, verses 17 through 19. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Yes, we have a God of love. And yet, we have a God of justice. It's why he poured out his wrath on his son, which we celebrate at the Lord's table today. Where does a love like this come from that we're supposed to have, that we're to grow in? How can we find this kind of reasonableness to show to others that peace and adversity, how can we find that peace in adversity and grace in return for hatred and mistreatment? It can only be found, it can only grow in you when you leave everything in God's hands. When you quit trying to fix everything yourself and get justice for yourself or those you love and you know, hey, I'm gonna, I don't see a way to make this right. I'm going to trust God with this. I'm going to trust God with this. And Lord willing, we'll see this in detail in our next study. But look, let's again skip ahead. Verse 6 for a moment. It points to how we do this. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So I'll say this. Do not waste your days concerning yourself with what you can do to find your own justice. Please don't hear me saying that if there's a criminal act that's been done, you ignore it. I'm not saying that. If there's a criminal act, then you need to call the authorities and get the authorities involved. This is one of the ways God ordains to bring justice. But if you see no biblical, God-honoring way for you to bring justice, then trust God to bring justice. Pray to God and trust Him with your life. Pray to God and trust Him with those who mistreat you, who misrepresent you, who maybe persecute you for your faith. Practice standing firm in the Lord for peace in adversity. Trusting God with all things so that you will let your reasonableness be known to all men because you know the Lord is at hand.